0: This is a Cincy Fan Talking with L.P. You can catch me on Twitter. That's a Cincy Fan Talking. You say it like it sounds, just leave off the G. If you have ideas for the show, you can reach me at Cincy underscore Fantalk at Yahoo.com. If you have any suggestions for the show, make sure you leave them there. Who knows, you might find yourself as part of the show any feedback would be definitely appreciated and also make sure you hit the link tree page that's on my twitter make sure you click on that you can find all the different ways to contact me there enjoy the show What's up? What's up? What's up everybody? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of The Humble Pod. Welcome to a Cincy Fan talking with LP and of course this is LP. Welcome back. I was about to start singing welcome back, welcome back, welcome back cuz I I got that I I got the, what is that? That old Navy song stuck in my head. Well, it's a mace song, but I got the old Navy commercial stuck in my head and I it, it bothers me. We'll jump into that in a second. It'll be short, but appreciate y'all stopping past the pod, spending a little bit of your precious time with your boy. Always appreciate it. And Y'all know where to find me. Always on Tuesdays. Go ahead and subscribe. Click that link. Definitely appreciate that. We're going to jump into a little bit of football talk today. I don't want to jump into too much because next week we have the almighty first annual cincinnati Bengals preview extravaganza so we got that jumping off next week so i just kind of touch on the Bengals a little bit talk about a little bit of football um we also got um some track stuff and, and some hammer appreciation and <laughs> we'll jump into that so um the Bengals got one more preseason game one more chance to i don't know borrows to tears and I mean it's not their fault that that this is boring it, it's the preseason setup you know they could spice it up and get Joe Burrow to jump in there and start throwing some touchdown passes or whatever but don't <laughs> real talk Bengals don't cave into the pressure I mean I could understand why Joe Burrow want to play I can understand why people want to see him play You know, knock the rust off during the last preseason game, get yourself ready, get Joe Burrow used to having people around his feet and and stuff like that. And and that's valid. It really is valid. But you got to understand, this is the game of football and anything can happen in football. You can go out there with the best intentions, you know keep them safe, throw a little short duck down passes, you know, just take one deep shot. You can do all of this stuff and it could all be okay. But this is football. And all it takes in football is one thing to go bad, one left guard to miss an assignment or call an audible and everybody shifts the wrong way. And then that, that seed just opens up for somebody to take a shot. And, you know, it's preseason. They're not supposed to be going super fast, but this is the third preseason game. Everybody's going to be playing a little bit harder because they're getting ready for the first game of the regular season. And I had people tell me, hey, LP, if somebody's going to get hurt, you know, they might as well get hurt early. So, you know, give them time to get better. Like, That's a bunch of BS. <laughs> like, it really is because you don't know how hurt somebody's going to get. And. You can avoid this by putting Burrow in during the first regular season game, where everybody's playing hard, defense true, but offense as well. You'll be much less likely to see those those gaps in thinking. You know, the accidental slip up where you leave the the Mike linebacker free to just smash somebody or something like that. You'll be less likely to see that. In a regular season game. And I just don't think it's worth it to have Burrow out there knocking off the rust. Well, you can do that in the first regular season game. We got 17 of those bad boys now. Like, not 16. And, you know, he's been practicing. And the practices, I think, are much more important than the preseason games. Me, personally. Yeah, you want to get out there. You want to get used to playing different teams or whatever. But... I mean, you're going off of practice tape for real. The preseason games, that's not going to get somebody to make the squad as much as somebody performing every single day consistently. And, And that's just how I feel about it. So Burrow, don't let them start. Not in this last preseason game. And if you looked around the league, you saw people like Justin Fields. You saw the people just getting tattooed out here. Not really their fault. I mean, it's it's the game. It's the game of football. And you got to be careful when you have basically the franchise out there. I mean, you got to treat them like that until it's time to play for real. And, And if you get hurt when it's time to play for real, there's not much you can do about that. You got to put them out there to play, right? But if you get them hurt in a preseason game, you're kind of looking at everybody like, damn, we could have prevented this. <laughs> like, We, we really could have prevented this. But instead, we caved in the pressure. We caved in to the fans. We caved in to Joe. And we was like, you know, let's go ahead and let them start. And I just don't think it's a good idea. You know, let him sit this last game out. He won't be sitting out any more games. You know, sit the last one out. Learn from what you see. Keep practicing hard, and get back at it. Um, just for like a little preview of the preview, I really think that this could be a good season for the Bengals. I do. They're in one of the toughest divisions, but they still had that. They still had a fourth place schedule they playing. So that's going to help them out a lot. You know, that means they have three games against fourth-place teams from last year. One of those would be the 49ers, true enough. But this can be this can be a pretty good season for the Bengals. And next week I'll talk about why I feel like that, why I feel more optimistic than I did a month ago. You know, there are some pitfalls that you got to go over to. There are some pluses and minuses to this season. There's a the best-case scenario. And there's the worst case scenario. We'll run through all those next week. But I feel like we're trending towards the good case scenario as long as everybody stays healthy. So in order to do that, you got to be smart. I mean, you can't just run on emotion and you can't really do that. You know, as ups running the franchise, you got to think with your brain. You have to. You know, it's not your heart so much more than it is your brain. So hold Joe out for the last game of the season will be in a much better spot. And from there, it's really all about staying healthy. And when I say healthy, I mean as far as, you know, not breaking a bone or something like that. And I also mean staying free from COVID. And what I really don't get, I, I, I would love to understand why a football player wouldn't get the vaccine. Somebody got to help me with that. Why would a football player not get the vaccine? I mean, think about it. Football is an inherently dangerous sport. I mean, it is. The The very method of football, the way you play football, it, it's just dangerous. You cannot go out on the field and say, hey, this is a pretty safe game. No, it's not. <laughs> you basically have to tackle somebody every play you're getting hit every play depending on your position. I I mean, if you're a running back, you can hit every play. If you're an offensive lineman, you can hit every play. There's always a danger that you could suffer an injury that's going to knock you out for the rest of the season and potentially damage you in life. I, I mean, these, these men, they could have all types of CTE brain injuries. I mean, they really could. So with all of the danger that's surrounding you as a football player, why would you then go like, well, you know, I don't want to go ahead and get this vaccine, you know, because it could harm my body. The stuff that you're doing is harming your body. So why not get a vaccine to make it so that you could play on the field? And never mind the fact that the NFL has already came out and said any team that causes a game not to get played, that counts as a loss for the team. And they have to pay for all of the expenses of the other team. Now, think about that for a second. I don't know if you know this, but it takes a lot to get a team. To another city, not only do you have to transport all of the players, but you got to get all their stuff there, too. All those helmets, all those shoulder pads, all of that. Imagine having to foot the bill for all of that because you got some doofuses on on your squad that's like, I'm not getting the vaccine, and all of a sudden, they infect the whole quarterback room. So you don't have a quarterback. And you're like, dang, I got to go out here with my wide receiver as a quarterback, and this actually happened last year. And I wouldn't say that they were doofuses last year. There wasn't a vaccine to take for real. Not like it is now. So it's more like they did what they had to do and people were getting infected and it was tough to stop it. Now it's easier to stop it. And actual football players are like, I'm not going to get the vaccine because it might harm my body. But you'll go on the field. And take hits to the head and hits to the chest and hits to the kneecap. And that harms your body. I don't understand. I I mean, people talk about how football is a brotherhood and you always hear the cheers, how they're like, you know, we're taking care of our own and you my brother and I'm going to protect you no matter what. But wouldn't you be protecting them by getting the vaccine? I mean, it just makes so much sense to me. If you really care about your teammates the way you say you do, then you get the vaccine to protect your team, to make sure that they're safe so they can feed their families because they get to play. I, I, I don't get it. And I understand that everything is politicized and, you know, just wearing a piece of cloth on your face means that you're a sheep, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I thought that sports was the one place where everybody came together, you know, for the greater good of mankind or whatever. You know, those those hokey commercials where, you know, sports brings communities together and left side, right side, we're all together no matter what for our team, the blue or the orange, whatever team you happen to root for. I thought that's what it was supposed to be like. Apparently it's not because there's a vaccine that can help remedy the effects of COVID. And people are like, well, I'm not going to take it. I don't know what it does to your body. But it's been tested by all types of doctors. And it's like, even if you feel like that's not for you as a football player, you're like, you know, I don't want to do that. When you be thinking about the people around you, um, if you're a quarterback, do you really want to mess up your starting right tackle? <laughs> if you're a running back, do you really want to not get the shot and worry about affecting your entire offensive line? Do you really want to run by in the second and third string offensive lines? I would be getting the shot just for that. Well, you know, I don't really want the shot. I don't really believe in it. But at the same time, I don't want to mess my team up. So I'm going to go ahead and get the shot. I, I, just, really, I just really don't understand the thinking that would make people feel like it's selfish to get the shot. And, and this is one of those times where it's not really like everybody's entitled to their own thinking like I was saying before. It's not really about that anymore. It's more like, What you do is going to affect your team. The choices that you make as a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player literally affects your entire team. You could cause an outbreak in your entire team because you decide, hey, you know, I don't want to get the vaccine. Forget that. And, you know, it's not for me. I don't know what's in it. This, that and the third. You could damage your entire team. I would get the shot just for that reason. If you're really a team player, what's stopping you from protecting your team and getting the shot? I, I mean, I would love to hear answers to that question. I mean, I, I really would. And, and it's not me going like, hey, you know, my way is the best way. You know, my take is the correct take because I'm saying it's not really about that. I would really like to know somebody else's opinion on this. And and I'm happy to talk about it. You know, I'm not the type that's going to be like, well, you're stupid. And, you know, don't talk to me again. I value other people's opinions. I don't agree with other people's opinions sometimes. But that doesn't mean I don't want to hear it. I just like to know what other people are thinking. And hopefully I can help them understand how I'm thinking. And, And that's my whole thing about it. I feel like civil discourse Is something that's been dead for a long time because everybody is like you know my take is the best take and if you don't believe it then you know gone somewhere you know kiss my ass or whatever (laughs) i feel like that's how people feel and it used to be this is how i feel or this is how i feel and people would talk about it nobody would agree very rarely have i said something and somebody's like, well, "Okay, I feel it one hundred percent the way you do now." But at least I got people to go like, "Dang, I never thought about it like that before." You know, I, I never knew that. And then I would hear people's thoughts and be and be thinking the same thing. As far as this though, I really don't understand it. I I would love to hear somebody's thoughts about you know, I'm not getting the vaccine because, especially an athlete that. It it baffles me. I feel like we really have to protect each other out here, and the best way to do it is to get the shot. If you want to watch football, you should get the shot. I remember, you know, last year people people were falling over themselves going like, Hey, where's the shot? I thought there was supposed to be a shot, you know. I thought we we're supposed to I, I remember that before football started. You know, we wanted to be in this space. And now we're in this space and people are still upset. It's it's just weird to me. But I mean, if you out there, you know, protect others, do what you got to do. Get that shot, wear that mask, do all of that. I feel like we're past the time where it can be like, even I was saying this, I was like, you know, it's your choice, but at least wear a mask. I think we're past that point. I think we're to the point now where it's like, if you can get the shot, you should get the shot. I mean... I, I got small kids here, and they want the shot, and they can't get the shot because they're not old enough. So, I mean, they want to trade places. <laughs> um, you got a Cincy fan talking with LP. We'll jump back into it in a second. We'll be right back. Hi. Hi. I'm Princess. And I'm Queen. This is Daddy. You have to say and this is a Cincy fan talking with LP. This is a Cincy fan talking with LP Day. Nice job. Mm Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Welcome back to the pod. Welcome back. Welcome back. So you got to watch a little bit of track on Saturday, a little bit of track and field. Um, First things first, there were a lot of people watching track on Saturday. There were a lot of people watching the race last Saturday. That does not normally happen when it's not Olympic time. Now in our house, we're we're weird, so we're watching we're watching Diamond League track and field all year. That's kind of what we do. Uh, the wife ran track in high school; she was she was pretty good at it too. So that's kind of that's kind of what we do. You know, it, it's kind of cool to see them come up when nobody's watching, then all of a sudden they blow up, which is kind of what happened to Shakira Richardson. Um, nobody saw her glow up until she took first place in the trials. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, she's the big thing and this is the competition. This is the um, the Olympics where the U.S. finally takes the gold in the 100 meters. And it's been a long time since a woman has won gold in the 100 meters, like a very long time. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was I think it was Gail Devers that was the last woman to win gold in the uh, 100 meters. I do believe I got to double check that. But either way, it's been a long time. And, you know, as as Americans, especially American media, they'll kind of latch onto a story and just run with it. And that's kind of what happened here. So, you know, Sha'Carri Richardson was, you know, she was talking her talk. And to be honest, that's that's what American sprinters do for the most part. You know, the American sprinters are, you know, they're glitzy. You know, they they talk cash. That's what they do. There there have been a few exceptions where you see American sprinters not really talking a lot, and they just kind of let their actions do do the talking, you know, like an Allison Felix or somebody like that. But for the most part, the American sprinters, you know, we talk big. So Sha'Carri Richardson is not unique in that sense. I don't know why everybody's surprised at a track star, you know, out there with the with the nails and you know, just kind of doing what they do. So, she came in and she finished in last place after after talking big. Now, what normally happens when you lose after talking a whole lot of cash money, people let you have it. This and I think even she would be like okay, you know, I I didn't do what I needed to do. People let me hear about it. And that's all in the game. I don't think anybody's necessarily upset about that. For me, it's twofold. For one, it's the expectation. That's my first thing. It was the expectation that she was supposed to come off of a 30-day layoff and blow out all of the Jamaican sprinters and whatnot. And you know, she was she was talking she was talking her talk, which is understandable, but I don't get how everybody's expectations were just blown up this much. I mean, we shouldn't have expected her to finish in ninth place. I don't think anybody saw that coming. And I think that's why everybody was so like, what, like, seriously? The fact that, you know, Nike had their whole commercial, all the commercials out that were running like back to back to back, you know, had the whole campaign. I think that blew everybody's expectations out of the water. And if you were watching closely, then you see that Elaine Thompson Ra is is an absolute monster <laughs> like she really is. She's you are not going to see a lot of runners like her. You're just not. She she is supremely talented and it's going to take a lot for anybody to be here in the next couple of years. So the expectations were blown up way out of proportion. And the second thing for me, the part that I found kind of disturbing is the fact that so many people seem to be. I don't know what's the word. Happy that it happened that way. And again, I get that when somebody loses after they talk a lot, people are going to kind of go with the ha-ha moments. You know, people are going to do that. But I love Twitter and at the same time I hate Twitter. I love Twitter and I hate Twitter at the same time because what Twitter does is it gives a lot of people that can't really do what other people do or to put it To put it in a different light, people that wouldn't normally comment about stuff that they couldn't do in that way. They found a way to use these, you know, the cover of Twitter to just talk absolutely ridiculous as if they're entitled to talk that way to other people. That's the part about Twitter that bothers me the most. I honestly, I would recommend that anybody... 16 years of age or younger, not even get on Twitter. I mean, it's just one of those places where people just pile on, you know, somebody will say something that makes sense. And then somebody will pile on on top of that and add something that's dumb. And then that dumb thing will just keep spiraling. And the next thing you know, you got people making fun of Shakeri Richardson because she lost and, you know, after she said what she said, In her interview, people start running with that and making fun of that. I mean, personally, I feel like she should get, you know, PR to kind of help her out. But for me, I feel like we shouldn't be sticking microphones in the faces of people right after a race. You're not going to get anything but raw emotion. I mean, you're not. What she said was just honest. I don't think a PR person could have helped in that regard because the cameras in her face two seconds after she stepped off the track. I still feel, I talked about this a little bit last week too. You're not really helping anybody when they're at a low moment and the camera's being stuck in their face. I read an article about um, some um, news reporter that, um, that left the field and decided to do something else. And the main thing she said was that, you know, you're seeing people at their worst moments. And you're sticking the camera in their face and you're talking to them. That's basically what happens here. You're seeing people at very low moments in their professional career. Oh, hey, here's a camera. How do you feel about it? How you think I feel about it? Like, <laughs> like I feel bad. I feel messed up, but I'll be back. And that's basically what she said. She added a little bit of color to it. But people were listening to it like, oh, it's sour grapes and all of that. I didn't really feel like that. You know? You you get what you get when you interview somebody right after an event or after a moment. You want the emotion, you want the true self, and you got the true self. That's exactly what you got. I feel like she'll be okay. It's one of those things where it's almost good that it happened this way because now the spotlight is off of her and she can do her thing. That's how I feel about it. You know, nobody's really watching as much anymore. You know, people are gonna get their jokes off on Twitter. And I always tell people, just ride the wave, you know, just just ride the wave. People are gonna people are gonna talk their talk, you know, for a couple of days. If it's a super huge story, you know, maybe four or five, and then somebody else will do something ignorant or dumb, and they'll take over the headlines and you're good. We live in a 24-hour news cycle now, ladies and gentlemen. It's literally 24 hours. You'll be the news for 24 hours. And after that, somebody else will take over. It's rare that you see something and people talk about that for more than three days. So I think what this is is good for her. Nobody's watching now. And since nobody's watching, she can kind of do her thing. I feel like that's what really helped her as she started her blow up because she's been good for she's been good for like a year or so nobody's really been watching because nobody really watches track until the olympics <laughs> the olympic trial people go like hey new person they're not really new they've been doing their thing for a while so she can kind of build up for the world games and then for the olympic games again and what the best do is they learn from bad stuff basically success is a ton of failures combined to make your success that's literally what success is i know very few people that did something the first time and succeed i always tell my kids in my class this it is rare that you see a prodigy that does something once and goes like hey i won nah you gotta take l's and then you learn from the l's then you take L's again. Then you learn from the L's again. and You keep building up and pretty soon all those L's help you get the W's. That's that's how life works. Life is a series of failures with successes in the middle that made all the failures worth it. That's basically life. So when you fail, you really just live in life. And when you succeed, that's a life paying off so i feel like that's where she's gonna get she'll use this to motivate her and all the people that's talking ridiculous because somebody took a loss because you're all gonna take losses right she can kind of use that for fuel and just don't make the same mistakes that you did before because if you keep making the same mistakes that you did before then they're probably not mistakes that's basically how this whole thing works um before we roll out um Hammer appreciation. <laughs> that's what that's what this last part is about. Um, I'm... I can't believe I'm about to say this. I'm watching the Vanilla Ice video. You know, Ice Ice Baby on MTV. Um, we watch on MTV hip-hop a lot. They do a, Yo hip-hop mix. Just run all of the um, rap videos, the old school ones. Back, back, back. Just keep running it. Ice Ice Baby pop up. And we just kind of slunk down in our seats like here we go and what a lot of young folks don't understand about that song is that most people that was around really didn't listen to it and they weren't really feeling it you know we're, we were loving the the queen part that, that he stole that he said he didn't steal but he did you know that that under pressure part you know really feeling that because because that beat be that go in forever but for the most part, we thought we always thought it was kind of lame, like dude running out here acting like he's tough and he never really was. But me and the wife, we started having a discussion not about him, but we like, why don't people appreciate Hammer more? Like this is this is my opinion, but I feel like it's the one hundred percent truth when I say it. MC Hammer is the reason why your favorite rapper makes money now. He, he really is he's the reason why the rappers that that you like get money in the way that they do back in the day there was no money in rap there was literally no money in rap you might have had nope <laughs> there was no money in rap you know people would sell records but if they weren't independent they weren't really getting money a lot of people thought that rap music wouldn't last Through the mid 90's. So there was really. Not a lot of money in it. You know you had groups like NWA touring or whatever. You know you had that. But MC Hammer. Was the first rapper. That I can remember. That crossed over. And was getting money. Because he was a rapper. You literally saw MC Hammer. Everywhere you saw those baggy pants. At. Um. You saw him at sport events. You saw him on fast food cups. You saw him in commercials. I remember he was selling them, them British Knights um, shoes. <laughs> and he was in the video just going hard. Like, uh-oh, uh-oh. With, with the British Knights. Like, people was out here wearing BKs. Because this man was getting money. Like, getting money selling shoes. Now it's kind of like... You know, you can get Drake, he can sell shoes, you know, you can get Jay-Z who starts his whole empire, and that's absolutely awesome, but there are people that paved the way for folks like that to get money, and MC Hammer was one of those first people who was able to cross over, and he caught a lot of flack for it back in the day. Like, he he caught a lot of flack. People called him a sellout. People will say, you know, he got all of these band members and he's just dancing. He's not really a rapper. This, that, and the third. But when you break it down to its core, MC Hammer did then what so many rappers are doing now. He found a way to make his music popular for everybody and still call it rap. That didn't happen before when people crossed over they literally crossed over and it didn't even sound like rap anymore what he did was he made his music mainstream for everybody to listen to nwa did the same thing they made rap and everybody listened to it but it was still rap they didn't change it they didn't filter it it wasn't like okay we're gonna do this one but this time, you know, we're just going to sing the whole time. Nah. in the way it was like, look, we out here rapping. If you listen to it, you do If you don't, you don't. But we're about to make money. MC Hammer was built the same way. But he wasn't a gangster rapper. So people were like, ah, this ain't rap. But if you look back on it, he didn't change anything. He didn't do anything different. He had a little ballad in every every album because that's kind of what he did but the only time he changed was when he started making his albums a little bit more rough he changed then but when he really blew up he was making money rapping and he crossed over from rapping and i don't really think he gets the love He, he doesn't really get the flowers that he should because he paved the way for a whole lot of rappers that's out here today making money. So I'm like, we should appreciate that more. Rap has come so far since I was a young kid. Like it, uh, I'm watching commercials where I'm listening to Biggie's hypnotized in the video, I mean, in the commercial. I'm, I'm hearing Buster Rhymes in commercials. I'm like, yeah, this would have never happened in the 90s, like <laughs> ever. You would never hear something like this. So, you know, just shout-out to Hammer, man. Um, We we appreciate you how you did your thing. I don't think people appreciated it back then, but if they don't appreciate it, now they're crazy. So shout-out to the boy Hammer. And on that note, um, shout-out to us because we out of here. Make sure you keep it locked for next week, where we jump into our first annual um, Bengals superstar extravaganza and you know we might throw some other stuff in there for y'all too so until then as always life is good peace out if you're not ready for the conversation to end i'm not either make sure to catch me on twitter that's a sensi fan talking leave off the g at the end of it and we can keep the conversation going Also, don't be afraid to hit that subscribe button so you can catch the next episodes. The episodes will drop every Tuesday. If there's a change in that, I'll make sure to let you know. Appreciate the support. As always, life is good.